Welcome to Laughing on the Inside podcast. Your host, Louise Farr, will be taking you on a journey of learning, inspiration and fun. Louise started this podcast to help her learn about the human psyche, which will help her and her coaching business. What has happened is she has found just by doing the first few episodes that she has not only learned about others, but has learned more about herself, which means she can help her clients new and old even more. So do join Louise on this great journey of discovery. And if you would like more information, then do reach out on her Facebook page, at Lottie Global 2020. See you on the inside. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Laughing on the Inside. We all know those that who love what they do are so lucky and it's a very rare thing. I am lucky to love what I do, but even luckier that I get to interview so many inspirational people. And Courtney Opie from Cordy and Canines is one of them. Courtney takes on all those difficult dogs that need that special knowledge and handling, but mostly love and understanding. So if you think all trainers are the same, then listen in and you will be greatly surprised. I do hope you love this episode as much as I loved interviewing Courtney. Enjoy. Hi, Courtney. Um, thanks for joining me. Could you just sort of introduce yourself and tell me a bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Courtney Opie. I'm a dog trainer and behaviour consultant. I've been interested in dogs for as long as I can remember, going back to leaving home at 18 to join the Air Force as a dog handler. I brought myself out of the Air Force and then joined the police and I spent a full career there, spent a majority of my time on the dog section. When I retired from the police, I realised that I could help an awful lot of people and so I started, uh, or I undertook to, to do dog training. I started off with one rescue that I helped people that were adopting dogs and experiencing problems because of the displayed behaviours. I then went on and uh, I've got now 10 rescues that I provide a backup for, as well as my own private clients. Okay, so what made you decide to become a dog trainer? I mean, you joined the Air Force um, as a policeman, shall yeah. I say. I said this very slowly only because I was in the Air Force myself and we all call you snowflakes, but that's yeah. never your problem. Um, so what made you decide to go down the dog training part? Um, to be honest, it was I have a very misbehaving Great Dane to thank for my interest. When I was about 14, uh, my parents, who bred Great Danes, decided that I was old enough to look after one and, and undertake the responsibility of having one myself. And they gave me this big black Great Dane, who was an absolute nightmare behaviour-wise. And I took him to training classes and to see the improvement and knowing that I'd done that, I took a great deal of satisfaction from, but it, it sort of, it's sowed the seed of, well, why do dogs misbehave? Why do they behave differently with different people? What makes them tick? And it really inspired me. 
And it's all thanks to Sam, who was the, the Black Great Dane. The Black Great Dane. So how do you, once you came out of the police and all the forces and you decided this is what you're going to do for your job, employment, career, whatever, how did you get started? What was the first thing that you did besides go, da-da, here I am, I'm here the I dog am. trainer everyone's been waiting for? Well, in first, I decided not to go down the route of advertising because I, I've always, myself... If I have any building work done or if I'm looking for a mechanic or anything like that, I tend to look for people whose reputation goes before them. So I, I, I'm always a lot happier with that. So I set out to really make a name for myself so that my reputation would you know, become decent and, and hopefully gain some work through that, which is why the, the first rescue I actually approached was um, one of the national German Shepherd rescues. I volunteered for them and I did a couple of home checks and then there was a problematic dog that they asked me to assist with. That went very well. So instantly they were sort of sold. <laughs> and then somebody else contacted them and asked them what they would do. Who do they contact? Because I think particularly with um, dogs that show aggression, it seems to be an ever-diminishing group of people that deal with that effectively. Yeah, one rescue tended to, recommended me to another one. Um, I did the usual locally. I put the local pet shop, put a business card in there. A couple of vets who were reluctant until they'd seen proof of qualification, etc., etc. And then it's really, it's just been word of mouth. It, you know, thankfully the rescues that I tend to work with now, they're, they're more national based. So my name's really gone before me fairly quickly. And you tend to take on the hard cases, not the, oh, it's a puppy and I just need to tra train it. You tend to go in for the ones that are, you know, are the problem child. Yeah, yeah. And why is that? Why why not take the easy option that a lot of people do? Simply because I think they are a challenge. You know, every one of them's different. There are slight differences. You know, an aggressive dog is not an aggressive dog per se. There's a reason behind of it. Some of them will display... Aggression because they're insecure, because they're frightened, so it will become defensive. Others, you know, I, I quite often come across people that will say, oh, well, I don't understand it because he's wagging his tail and then he's up, so I think he must be frightened. Well, he's not frightened, he just enjoys <laughs> enjoys fighting, you know, yeah. so they enjoy harming other dogs, some of them. It's just how it is, you know, some of them are just bullies by nature. Mm. So when you have to fine-tune that, and correct the dog and show him how he should behave properly and introducing the proper rewards when that comes, then it's very satisfying. I find it very satisfying. There's nothing that makes me happier than people I've dealt with who have not been able to see the wood for the trees, if you like, mm. when the, the dog's a problem and they're at their wit's end and they don't want to walk or they're walking around their local area like ninjas in case they meet another dog. <laughs> And then suddenly they're walking casually on a loose lean and the dog trusts them rather than just loves mm. them. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, you know, to help people. If, if a dog isn't enhancing your home, then there's a problem. Yeah. Um, is there any sort of, any occasion that you've actually said, no, I can't, there's nothing I could do with this dog or for the dog? I think we've, we've worked it out roughly since 2005 which was a year after I retired from the police. I think we've had somewhere in the region of three and a half thousand dogs that I've seen. And of those, 
I've recommended two should be put to sleep. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, you know, I mean, one of those, actually, I think you may have met, it was a St Bernard, mm. and he was known for being absolutely off his head. So, yeah. you know, I almost don't count him, but yeah. after he severely bruised my stomach, I thought yeah. possibly... <laughs> yeah, I do remember it. Yeah, I do remember him when we were. Yeah. So, do you follow any trends? I mean, at the moment, it's positive reinforcement we hear, which I always smile at after knowing you quite well, because it's like if if you say to a, do you ever tell your child off? No. But, you know, if it's running towards a, a road, would you shout stop? Because that's a way of telling it off. Do, you know, you don't seem to go with that trend. Is there no. any sort of trend or or is there some sort of way of training that you've literally followed that line or do you just go with individual? I, I think where I tend to be a little bit unique in my approach is that over the years, whilst I was a police dog handler, I didn't think that the police dog trainers were all-knowing. So at the, time, at the same time as been involved with the police dog section. I also took time out to go and see how the guide dogs for the blind are trained, how the search and rescue dogs go about their training, um, how service dogs are trained. I learned who was respected within those fields and I went and I, I joined them for training. And I think basically what, what I did was went around well-respected figures and cherry-picked some of the good ideas but it also enabled me to see some of the stuff they were doing that I really wasn't comfortable with. I could bin that and almost mm. find a way around it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not against positive reinforcement because a lot of what I do involves that as a reward. What mystifies me about the modern trend of dog training is that they accept and acknowledge the fact that there are four quadrants to dog training so positive and negative reinforcement, positive and negative punishment, but then they concentrate all their efforts on one quadrant. Now, my my question to most people, and I've yet to have a satisfactory answer, how is that going to present you with a balanced dog? Mm. And, you know, I, I look at it a lot of the time and, and taking the analogy where children are concerned, if a child never hears no, and every time it looks at you, you're throwing smarties at it. Mm. And you're every time they ask you for something, you give it to them. Yes, 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 yes. Then you end up with a brat, frankly. Mm. Well, you know, a lot of people have a four-legged version of that. <laughs> four-legged version of a brat, yeah. Okay, cool. That's really good. So... My big thing is, as working on your own, working from home, and, you know, it's really hard to every day show up and be sort of present doing what you do. Is there any days that you think, I don't want to do this? And if there are, what do you do about it when you've got to do it? Or do you just say, no, that's going to be my day off? No, I, if, if, if it's something important or it's something I particularly want to do, then I'll make sure that the diary's kept blank for that day. Mm. But actually, you know, I feel blessed, really, because working with dogs is such a passion for me mm. that, in all honesty, I don't actually feel like I work. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a joy. Really. So you're one of the very lucky people yes. to say, this is what I do because I love doing what Absolutely. I do. Yeah. 
fact oh, that's that, the yeah. fact that it also you know provides a living mm. that's a real bonus yeah you know Great. So, because yours is quite like a um, an, an, a niche, it's with dogs. You don't have to sit down to a board of directors because mm. the dogs aren't all going to sit there and go, right, Courtney. What do you say? What is your plan? Do you ever plan out your training sessions, or do you just go by? You've got the background of the dog. I I take it from the yeah. owner or the background of the owner and the dog. Yeah. Um, do you go there prepared with a training session in mind or do you just say, I'm going to see what the dog's like and then progress from there? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a rough idea because now it's just become almost automatic. Mm. What, oh, this dog's, this dog pulls. So this is what I'm going to do. This one lunges at cars. This one's got separation anxiety. This mm. one's, aggressive and wants to kill other dogs this one is terrified of other dogs and wants to run the other way and there's a set format that i'll aim to start off but then obviously as each dog has its sort of unique issues within those generalizations you then fine tune what you're doing Mm -hmm. and a lot will depend on the owner i mean an awful lot of my I encourage people to book an initial assessment which is normally two to two and a half hours in that two and a half hours that's a chance for me to discover the owner as well as explore their relationship. And it may be something within the owner's outlook or the owner's relationship with the dog that actually is contributing unwittingly on the owner's part. So if you can pick up on that, actually, what I had my preset idea on starting training, well, actually, now I've seen what the issue is. It's more you than your dog. Mm. How about try whatever it might be and that will automatically suddenly things fall into place and people think, you know, suddenly you're a miracle worker mm. when actually all you've done is identify the problem wasn't actually what they perceived it to be. It was something that they were doing to contribute to the dog's behaviour, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have, like, when you go to puppy training classes, it's for 12 weeks yeah. and then you go on to the senior classes and it's for another 12 weeks. Do you have a set lesson plan like, right, I'm gonna, once you've done the assessment, it's going to be a 12 week thing or it's, or do you do it on a week by week basis or session Depending by session? Depending on what the problem is and the severity of it, mm-hmm. I usually will do the assessment and then based on that, I'll say, I would estimate that I'll probably need to see you another twice. Or I might need to see you another four times. Very rarely more than that I need, Yeah. in fairness. So a lot will be gauged by the assessment. I run a puppy training package, which is Mm. one-to-one. I don't get involved in lessons because I don't think they provide value for money. People go on about socialisation and it's all good because, you know, there's 10 of them in a class. But I think logically, if there's 10 of you in a class and you're going to have some individual input in that, at best, you're going to have six minutes. So are you better spending £10 a week for your six minutes mm. or are you better coming to somebody like myself who's experienced and in the hour, you'll have the whole hour to yourself. Mm. You may pay a bit more, but your dog will improve an awful lot quicker. And when they take up the socialisation side of it, mm. I've always maintained it's a big thing for people um, oh, my dog has to be friendly, has to be friendly with other dogs. I actually don't care less whether my dog loves every other dog it sees mm. or not. What I insist on is that they learn to tolerate, mm. which is a completely different mindset. Yeah. You know, 
yes, if they get on, great, in the same way if your kids get along with every kid in the neighbourhood. That's a wonderful thing. But what I do insist on is that they tolerate other dogs and they behave appropriately. So Yeah. Cool. So I actually, I'm a coach for business startups and I get quite a lot of, oh, I want to be a coach. I want to be personal development. I want to be a dog trainer. I want to be this. But when you sort of go into it, they go, no, I'm not any qualifications. I just like dogs or I just like cats. I've had them all my life. What would advice would you give someone who really wants to be a dog trainer, who literally comes out with, well, I've always had dogs and I've trained them from home? Well, it's quite interesting. One of my pet hates when I when I get somebody referred to from a rescue, they say, "Oh, my dog, my dog's aggressive," and I can't really work it out because I've had dogs all my life, and it's one of my pet hates. Mm. Because when you actually analyse that, for most people, let's say they're in their forties, so they'll have had probably two dogs when they're young, when they're growing up, for which their dad would have taken responsibility, probably. Mm. A bit sexist, but with their parents. Yeah. <laughs> parents, let's be decent. <laughs> the parents would be responsible for the training of the dog. So then they'd have left home, not had a dog for four or five years while they're at university or in training or anything mm. like that, and they've had another dog when they're mid-twenties. That would have died. Then they'll have got another one, early thirties. So by the time they're 40, they've probably had five dogs. And what I usually say to those people is, if I turned up because you've got a problematic dog and I say to you, I'm a great trainer, I've had dogs all my life because I've trained five dogs, are you going to take confidence in my ability? The answer is probably no. <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah. So learn, your, learn the subject. Um, be careful because there are an awful lot of internet courses now, diploma courses that quite frankly are not worth the paper they're written on. Some of them charge good money. So have a look at the at the reputation of the people providing the course, apart from anything else. You know, do some research on there. And even then it doesn't necessarily follow that it's going to be as good. Get some hands on experience. You cannot beat like I would if for a problematic dog, I would rather take my dog to see somebody who's volunteered on a couple of times a week basis at a rescue kennels than I would take take my dog to some behaviorists mm. because all their knowledge is book and theory based whereas the rescue volunteer will have been hands-on mm. with dogs with similar issues. So it's really to get down and dirty, get know your, know your craft, don't yeah. just go by the books and yeah. be in the lovely sort of rainbow world of... Um... You can't buy experience. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Experience, yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. So learn. It may well be that if, they, if they're thinking of being a dog trainer and they see these puppy classes and it looks very easy and it's each dog's paying £10 and they've got 10 dogs in a class and they run three classes of an evening, twice a week, and then on a Sunday, mm. well, hang on a minute, that's £900 a week. That's great, which is yeah. fine until yeah. they get a dog that's disobedient or misbehaving yeah. and what they're going to do about it. Yeah. If you haven't had that experience, a book will not tell you. Mm. It will not give you the tools to deal with what you've got presented to you. Yeah, cool. So is there any any point that you would say, I mean, I did ask you the question and you said you were really struggling. It's, is there any point, so I'll rephrase it for you, that 
you're going to say enough is enough. I mean, you're you're doing what you you love and you you're passionate about it. But do you think there's going to be any time in the future that you're going to go? I need to hand this over. And would you ever take on an apprentice rather than turn it into a business? Mm. Because we've had a discussion about franchise. Rather than doing that, would you welcome on an apprentice and take over? your business is that ever a thought that you've the only time that I, I can foresee that that would be a possibility is if physically I didn't feel able then I would have to work somebody else almost mm. or try and give them the knowledge and the experience um, you know if somebody wanted to shadow me then I'd be more than happy for that but um, no I, I just I can't imagine I just cannot imagine not training dogs. I just, you know, I just can't see it ever being a likelihood until no. I until I can't physically <laughs> dragging you out the door. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, where can people find you? Because you don't advertise, as you say. So, if they wanted to see what sort of stuff you do, uh, you're on Facebook. So, yeah. what's the it's name? Cordial, cordial canines. Cordial canines, as in cordial. As in cordial, yeah. <laughs> cordial canines. As in friendly. <laughs> yeah. With all the dogs are by the time we finish. By the time we finish it, so you're, <laughs> so you're on Facebook. So it's Cordial Canines, um, and they can just message you through that if they. they yeah, they can message me, or I've got um, there's, there's a website again, Cordial Canines dot co dot uk. That was a thought. <laughs> think, yeah, that, yeah, that was a thought. Yeah, yeah. So usually people will contact you through social media, or it literally is through word of mouth, isn't it? Yes. Because I know we've recommended you to a few people, yes. which is, I think that's always the highest recommendation you absolutely. can get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I thank you very much for your time. I come and see you quite a lot because you turned a, a very scared dog into a, a very confident dog when she's mm. with your two. If there, anyone ever sees Courtney out with his two dogs, they're massive, but they're really gorgeous. Um, and yeah, as I say, thank you very much for your time and really appreciate it. This is My Louise favorite. from Laughing on the Inside and speak to you soon.